You know, when I, I read the Old Testament, I'm overwhelmed at the intensity of the men of God. I wonder where they get that spiritual authority and where they get this Holy Ghost stamina to do what they did for a prophet to lay for 365 days on his side warning Jerusalem of coming judgment. 365 days laying on his side. I, I read of these men that fast 40 days and 40 nights. I can't fast three. I, I, I read of men that are so burdened with the burden of God and so incensed against the sin against God's nature that they can pull clumps out of their beard and clumps out of their hair. I, I'm amazed at, at, at men who can weep and cry and mourn for two and three weeks at a time on their face. No food, no water, and mourn and grieve for the heart of God. And I read those stories and I say, God, those are men of another sort. I, I don't know what that's like. And, and, and then the thing that troubles me is that God says that these things have been put in the Word as examples for us upon whom the ends of the world have come. That, that these, these men were men of like passion. There, was, there, was, there were patterns, there was something in them that God did that laid, what caused God to lay His hands on them. Our present generation is probably, and without a doubt, the most wicked of all times, many more times wicked than, than Sodom, Gomorrah, Nineveh. If there was ever a time that people, or nations and churches and the society needed men of such intensity, it's now. Why would God arbitrarily raise up men, men of another sort who had this passion, who were able to do incredible exploits in understanding the heart of God and showing the heart of God to nations and brought them to repentance through their actions. And I, I say to myself, God, would you arbitrarily, all, all the way from church history, all the way back to Abraham, go all the way back and God would raise up prophets and God would raise up men and raise up women with such an anointing that they would bring the whole society to their knees and back to God. And why would God suddenly at these last days, when we need him more than any other generation, not raise up men and women as such? I think it obligates us. Now, I'm not speaking just about preachers, but every, every member of every congregation, everyone who calls himself by the name of Jesus Christ, to search the Word of God out and find the patterns, how these men became men of another sort. How, why did God touch them? Why did God anoint them? Why did God use them? And why did their words not fall to the ground? And why were they so marvelously changed by the power of the hand of God? There are no hidden secrets about being touched by God. There are no hidden secrets. You can study the Word of God and find the patterns, find the way in which men were touched by the hand of God and follow that path. I'm not that kind of man, but I, I, I want to be a man of another sort. A man touched by the hand of God, where even the enemies of the Lord know that there's a spiritual authority and know that there's been something that comes from the throne of God's heart. Considering Ezra, first of all, the Bible said a man who awakened his entire nation, instead of him, he was a man with the hand of God on him.
Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, to practice it. He set his heart. This was a conscious decision. One day he said, I am going to be a man of the word. I'm going to go to the word and I'm going to tremble by it. I'm going to act on everything I read. And God saw a man who was saturated with his word, who hungered and loved and appreciated the word. This one man prepared his heart and said, I am going to be a man of the word. There's not a person hearing me that cannot do that by a conscious decision. You don't need some Holy Ghost revival. You don't need somebody sitting down putting you under conviction. You take this word in your hand and say, God, as sure as I have the authority to sit and watch television for three hours, I've got the ability, I can make a decision, I can study God's word. God supernaturally lays his hand on only those who hunger and thirst after his word and do it. God touches those who love his word and who fast and pray according to that word. Father, we pray tonight, Lord God, as we prepare to come into your presence, Lord God, that we would be these men and women of another sort, O God. Men and women whose heart's desire is primarily fixed on you. Yes, Lord, we live in this world. Yes, Lord. We're going to worry, O God, at times about bills, about career, about this thing or that thing. But Lord, your word says that we are to seek first the kingdom of God. And that if we seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added. And so, Lord, we want to be a people tonight. As we come into your presence... Who, Lord, before we seek the gifts in your hand, before we worry about provision or healing or any other thing, oh God, that before we worry about our careers, about marriages, about children, about home or family, about mom or dad, about health or wealth or any other thing, oh God, that we would push all that aside and we would seek this one thing. That like David, we'd be able to say, one thing I have desired, oh Lord, that do not deny me that I may dwell in your house forever and ever. Oh God, that we may see you and know you and live for you, Lord God, and that the worship from our lips, oh God, would be acceptable, would be a sweet, savory anointing unto you. Oh God, these things we pray tonight in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Brothers, sisters, friends joining us tonight, welcome to this June the 1st edition of Church Without Walls. We're going to go to worship, but tonight um, at some point, maybe about 15 minutes in or so, we're going to interrupt our worship. Or rather than say interrupt, let's say we're going to change the tenor of our worship from singing songs and lifting our hands and praising to coming together for the Lord's Supper. It's been a while since we do this as a family at Church Without Walls. And we're going to do that tonight. So please plan accordingly. Um, if you have some grape juice or any other kind of juice, or if you have no other juice, if you have nothing to use, water. Get some bread or 
crackers or something ready. We're going to come to the table of the Lord at some point in a short while. But for now, let's start off by doing what we were created to do. That thing we will be doing in heaven for all eternity. Let us come together to worship our God. Hallelujah. 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 And we're going to start off with an oldie but goodie. When the roll is called up yonder. Let's worship. When the trumpet of the Lord comes down, then time shall be no more. And the Lord in grace eternal bride and fair. When the seed of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called upon the other day. Sinning, 
I shall see thy lovely face clothed then in blood washed linen. How I'll sing, How thy, sovereign I'll sing grace. thy sovereign grace. Come, my Lord, no longer tarry. Take my ransom soul away. Send thine Send angels thine now to carry. Angels now to carry.
so sweet to trust in Jesus saints remember we're going to be going to the communion table of the Lord please make preparation for that tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise just to know thus saith the lord jesus jesus how i trust him how i prove you Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that He is with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust
I'm so glad I learned to trust Him. Precious Jesus, Savior, friend, and I know that He is with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I prove Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him Brothers and sisters, I was talking with a uh, a brother recently about how interesting it is that every other religion in the world is chocked full of rituals, so many rituals, so many programs, and yet in the Christian faith, the Lord left us really with only three, one of which is optional, that's marriage. You can be married or not be married. You can stay single your whole life and still be a f successful Christian. And then there are two rituals. The first is baptism. For those who believe and are baptized shall be saved. But then for those who have entered into the community of faith, he left us only one other, mandatory. The taking of the Lord's Supper or the celebrating of the communion table, however, which way you'd like to see that. It's so important that we come together and that we come together with the right heart. In fact, it's so important that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul gives a warning. He that eats and drinks unworthily eats and drinks damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Wherefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, tarry one for another. If any is hungry, let him eat at home. That you, when you come together, that you not come together to condemnation. And the rest will be set in order when I come. He who eats and drinks unworthily, eats and drinks damnation to himself. 
So it is important before we get together to break bread together, to remember the Lord's death, to commemorate his sacrifice and everything that that sacrifice purchased for us, primarily our salvation. But yes, access to the children's bread, which is healing and other blessings. Brethren, Let us examine our own hearts. We said if we examine our own hearts, we would not need to be judged if we judge ourselves. Now, it doesn't mean if you're not perfect, you can't take communion because then very few would ever, ever be able to take communion. But the question is this. Are you in willful disobedience? Now, if you're saying, no, brother, I stumbled and I know it was wrong and I made this mistake and that mistake and I know that it's wrong, then come before the Lord now and ask forgiveness. Be cleansed. Oh, but you don't know what I did. I offended my brother. I offended my sister. I stole it. Then make it right. Notice that the Lord went to Zacchaeus' house, broke bread with him, and Zacchaeus, in that act of communion, was so convicted that he said immediately, I will restore all that I've robbed. So make a decision in your heart tonight. If you owe someone an apology and you can make it now very, very quickly, go ahead and send them that text. But if there are things you need to do to be made right and you're willing to repent now before God and seek his forgiveness, seek his forgiveness, but don't delay in making those things right afterward. But if your heart does not condemn you, If you are not in willful disobedience, if you've confessed your sin before God and you know that he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness, then let us take of the communion table together. For when we eat and drink of the same cup, we become one, one body, as Christ created us to be. For I have received of the Lord that which I deliver to you that the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks Father we thank you for the sacrifice of Christ Father we thank you for the brethren gathered Father we thank you for hope and peace and love Father we thank you that you are true and when he had given thanks he broke it and said Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Let's partake of the bread and remember our Lord. Amen. Now in like manner also, he took the cup after he had supped, saying, This is the cup. This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we remember the Lord Jesus tonight. We remember his blood sacrifice to bring us into right fellowship with you. Thank you for the blood, Lord. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, You do show the Lord's death until he comes. Let us drink. 
Hallelujah. 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 Glory. 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 Ah, oh, brethren, let us continue to worship. How deep the Father's love.
Brothers, sisters, let's worship just a little while longer. This next song to me is a heart cry of the true believer, simply entitled, Yearn.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Saints of God, one more song. And then we're going to the Word of God. Matthew chapter 22.
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory. Glory, 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 glory. The Lord God has a word <clears throat> for you tonight. And I believe that this word is critical to many listening, to many who will be listening in the archives. So please hang with us just a little while longer. Let's go to the word of God. Matthew chapter 22. Um, for those who, who haven't been with us in a while, we've been like Ezekiel's wheel within a wheel. We've been in the midst of a series within a series. The Lord has me doing a series on the parables of Jesus Christ. And within that series, I found myself caught in a three-part series on this parable of the wedding feast. Tonight is part three. We're going to close this out with a vital truth from the Lord. So let's pray. Let's go to the word. And let's hear what he has to say. Father, we come to you tonight in the name of Jesus, knowing, Lord God, that your word is true, that your word is living and active, that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword, that, O oh Lord, by you, by your word, the worlds were made. By your word, life is sustained. By your word, truth is established. By your word, kingdoms rise and fall. By your word, reality is defined. Morality is given. By your word, there is life and hope and joy eternal. By your word. And so we come to the word of the living God tonight. And we say, Father, speak to us, change us, transform us, move in us and through us and to us tonight. Let every ear be open. Let every heart be fertile ground. Make my mouth the tongue of a ready writer, my tongue the pen of a ready writer. And write upon the hearts of your hearers tonight so that there would be hope and there would be life. And there would be your kingdom come and your will done on earth as in heaven forever and ever. Amen and amen. Well, as I said, we've been in this parable of the wedding feast. Jesus begins in chapter 22 at the very beginning. It says that Jesus answered and spoke to them again in parables. And he starts off saying that the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king which made a marriage for his son. And so we've talked about the parables being important, especially those parables that talk about what the kingdom of heaven is like, because this is our goal. We want to glorify God, we want to honor God, and we want to spend eternity with him. But one of our responsibilities is to be ambassadors for Christ. Now, when an ambassador comes into a country and he sets up an embassy, no matter what the nation may be, when one comes into that embassy, they come into the nation of that ambassador. Likewise, as ambassadors for Christ, it is our responsibility to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. 
when people see us, when they see our home, when they see our interactions with our wives and our husbands, with our children, they should see the kingdom of God. They should see the power of God. They should see the sanctity and the life-giving force that is the living God inside of us. And so it is critical that we know what the kingdom of heaven is like. And so we talked about those who were bidden and those who did not want to come. And we talked about the importance of understanding the invitation, that it's an invitation to a feast and that it's important also to understand the urgency of the invitation and that it is critical to understand who it is that is inviting us. We then move from there, last time we got together, not last week, but the week before, to talking about those who reject the invitation. How we must be careful not to reject the invitation that God has given us and that there are consequences for that rejection. This week we want to pick up in verse 8 and there the word of the Lord says. So this is after the invitation has been given, after people rejected the invitation, after people slayed the people who were inviting, the king who had invited them and mistreated those he sent to invite them. This is after the king took his vengeance on them in verse 7. And now in verse 8 we read, Then he, the king, says to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. They that were bidden were not worthy. Go you therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together as many as they found, both bad and good, both bad and good, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with with guests. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how came you in here not having a wedding garment? And he, the man, was speechless. Then the king said to his servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. I want to speak to you tonight on the very important subject of invited but choosing not to abide. Again, invited, but choosing not to abide. Now the first thing we see, and I really just want to go through this parable in section starting from verse 8. And the first thing we see is that those who were originally invited were found unworthy. And we talked about this last week. It's similar to what happened in Daniel's day when kings thought they could play with the things of God and God said they had been weighed and found wanting. Therefore, they had been rejected. That word unworthy talks about being 
useless, of not weighing what you should, of not having the character and the goodness that you should. They were invited. They were supposed to be friends of the king. They knew of what was coming, but they were completely unworthy. And what he does next is fascinating. He doesn't cancel the feast just because those who were originally invited didn't want to come. He simply sends his servants out with a new request. Find whoever will come. And I want to start there by reminding you, brothers and sisters, please be very careful in your evangelism. Not to target this person or that person. Beware because we live in an age of church growth schemes. And churches target this population or that population or this person or that person. Surely this would be a worthy addition to our congregation. Surely that one would not. No, my brother and sister, we talked about this with the parable of the sower. We are to scatter the seed of God's word everywhere. We are to proclaim the kingdom of God. Yes, I am aware that we do not cast pearls before swine, but the pearl that great pearl of invitation to the wedding feast, that is not to be withheld. We scatter that seed everywhere. Everyone is to be invited. And I love the response of the servants. In verse 10, so those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all, as many as they found, both bad and good. And I repeated that several times when reading because that is critical. First of all, let me give you a couple of definitions. The word there for bad literally means not of the quality intended. In other words, it's sort of like going to the store today and, you know, here in America, here in the Northeast, it's, uh, you know, where spring is beginning to wind down and transition into summer and Barbecue season is here, and you go down to the store to get some ground beef. You want to make some burgers, and you find some grade C meat in the meat freeze, in the meat refrigerator. You see, it's not that it's not meat, and it's not bad in the sense that it's spoiled or rotten. It's just not the quality you should be eating. And so what do we do? We reject that. We pass it by. In fact, you really would not find grade C meat in a meat fridge anywhere in the United States, except in certain types of dog food. And yet, this sense of not of the quality it should be, not connected, it literally can mean also that word for bad can mean not connected, not of the heritage, not of the lineage, not of the origin that's up to par with what's going on. It would sort of like the president of the United States holding his grand inaugural ball and sending members of the Secret Service out into the back alleys of Washington, down to Hunts Point in the Bronx, down to 
certain sections of Brooklyn and Skid Row in Los Angeles, etc. And say, bring me the homeless, the drug addicts, the pimps, the hustlers, the prostitutes on the corner. See, it's not that they're not human, they are. It's not that they're not citizens, they are. But these are the ones who are looked down upon by society. These are the ones seen as if a king is having a feast. We're not inviting them. Not only are we not inviting them, but if they show up, we're not opening the door. No, the king said, go invite everyone. And they looked for the bad and the good. Now, the good there doesn't mean they're perfect. It means they're of the caliber you would have expected. It means that they have a lineage that somehow connects them. And I love the fact that both the bad and the good are invited to the wedding feast. I'm glad that this king says yes. The wealthy and the upper crust of society, those who should have been invited and I overlooked them, but they're of that caliber you would expect. Yeah, if there's any of them still out there, invite them. But go get the dregs as well. You see, I love that because I don't know about you. Maybe you came in on that good. Maybe you were a righteous person, a good person by human standards, living a moral life, raised by believing parents, always close to the church, never falling too far away, never having done anything too bad or rotten. Maybe you were still a young child and hadn't done too much. And you received the invitation and recognized your need for a Savior, surrendered your life to Christ, submitted to the righteousness of His Word and to the authority of His Lordship and became a Christian. Maybe that was you. And I'm glad for you. I praise God for you. I thank God that you didn't have to go through some of the things I went through. But is there anybody listening tonight who, like me, is glad they invited the bad and the good because I was on that bad side. I was on that side that I'm really not the one you should invite to the church. I tried to undermine the authority of God. I tried to lay stumbling blocks before his children. I tried to make those who were his fall. I tried to argue them out of faith. I was running with the wrong crowd. I did some things I shouldn't do. I sank into some levels of depravity I shouldn't have gone. I was battling some addictions I didn't even want to let go of. I was not even in my right mind entirely. Come on, is there anyone who can testify? I was depressed or suicidal. Is there anyone who would say, I was not even mentally well. I was mentally infirm. Is there anybody who could say that God found me on Skid Row? Come on, was there anybody listening? You had a needle in your arm when he called you. You were snorting lines when he called you. You were hitting the bottle when he called you. You were laying in other people's beds when he found you. You were stealing and doing your dirt when he found you. You were dishonest and corrupt. You were everything. 
everything the Bible shouldn't make says shouldn't make it. Maybe you were effeminate. Maybe you weren't in your right mind. Maybe you were cross-dressing. Maybe you were this thing or that thing. Is there anyone who can say tonight, Oh God, I'm so glad that the bad got in along with the good. And you might say, How could this king put on a worthy wedding feast for his son like this? Listen, 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 listen. Brother Pete, uh, I'm not trying to be snooty or anything. But come on, it's a wedding feast. For a king, no less. Shouldn't people be dressed in tuxedos and looking good and looking right? Well, see, that's where the next part of the story goes. It says the wedding feast was furnished with guests. In fact, literally the word means it was filled to overflowing with guests. So there were guests everywhere. And then the king has an interaction with a man who's there but doesn't have a wedding garment. And that's where we need to pause and take a step back and explain something about the culture of the time. See, many of us today, we have a wedding feast. See, that's the reception, not the, not the marriage itself, the reception. And let's be real. Part of the reason for the reception, yes, you want to invite everyone to come and celebrate you. And yes, you know, gentlemen, you want to show off your new bride. And yes, ladies, you want to show off your ring and show off, you know, your new husband. And say, look, we're a couple now. But a big part also of the wedding reception is getting all the guests together so that you can get good gifts. Right? In fact, part of the goal is to receive more in gifts that you, than you spent on the reception. But you see, that's not the point of a view of a king, and especially not in Jesus' day. A king inviting guests is trying to show off his grandeur, his splendor, the wonders of all that he has. And so the expectation is he would provide a literally an army of servants for all who came in. And upon arrival, you would be measured, you would be given a private room, your clothes would be removed, you would be given a hot bath, after which you would have access to some of the richest perfumes and ointments and oils of the time. Professional barbers and stylists would be there and they'd do your hair, including all the ornaments and everything necessary. The measurements that were taken were because they had a robe that was being tailored exactly to you. And so everybody was in a robe. It's kind of like at our modern day wedding receptions, what we do for the bridal party. We provide, and and some people actually still do this with the bride and groom pay for the tuxedos and, 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 and the dresses of the, I'm not saying you have to do that. I'm just saying some people still do that. That's where tradition comes from. But here the king would have ensured that everyone was robed. Now remember, The king here represents the Lord God. The son is Jesus Christ. The wedding feast, the marriage supper of the lamb, is the consummation of the church age, the bringing home of the church. 
And as the king surveys the crowd, it says he found there a man which had not on a wedding garment. Now, as I just explained, the king provides the hot bath, he provides the meal, he provides the snacks, the hors d'oeuvres, he had people there. You know, he had the manicurists to cut your nails and do your feet up nice, get your brand new pair of sandals, put on some kingly robes. So everyone in the place is looking like a king or prince. And the king has provided the robe. So you might say, what is the big deal about this man? So what? Maybe he brought his own robe. That's the point. It would be a disrespect to this king to not wear the robe he provided. These are wedding robes. They are special robes. Maybe there was a color theme to the wedding. I don't know. But whatever the case may be, the king has provided the robe, and this man rejected the robe, deciding, I'm good enough the way I am. I don't need your provision. But remember what the wedding feast represents. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like. And this is the marriage supper of the lamb. This is the coming home of the church. And therein is a man who decided I don't need the robe that you provide. What is the robe that God provides? The Bible says that we are to take off the old man and put on the new man. The robes are the new man. The robes are robes of righteousness. Not my righteousness. Not my works. Not anything I could do for myself. You see, let me tell you something. I am not a Christian because I treat my children well or I love my wife. I'm not a Christian because I stop lying and I don't steal and I don't cheat. And I, none of that makes me a Christian. Because I am a Christian, these things will be true about me. But that is not what makes me a Christian. I have no right. I have not earned. There is nothing I have done. There is no ritual. There is no step I have taken. There is no practice. It is not my waking up early. It is not my staying up late. It is not my reading the Bible. It is not how many times I pray. There is nothing I have done that makes me worthy of the invitation I've been given except that the one who invited me is Christ and that I am covered and cleansed in his blood and that the robe of righteousness that I now wear, the armor from the helmet of salvation to my feet shod with the gospel of truth, everything on me, he's given me. Every aspect of my worthiness comes from him. You see, my brother and my sister, if you lay any claim to heaven based on what you've done, what you've believed, what group you've joined, the minute you add anything to his righteousness, you reject his robe and say, I know how to get there myself. And the minute you start building your own stairway to heaven, I guarantee that you'll find yourself in hell. Yeah, that may not be nice and it may not be politically correct, but I'll say it again. <coughs> if you insist 
on building your own highway to heaven, I can guarantee you that you're on the broad road to hell. You have nothing to offer. That's why I get sick when I hear these silly preachers say God called you because he saw something in you. He saw how good you are. He saw how valuable. He saw. Listen, if you were so good, so wonderful, and so valuable, Jesus would have never had to go to the cross. God would have just sent another prophet, tell you how to live right, and waited for you to get it right. But how many of you know you couldn't get it right if you wanted to? That's why we don't just need God to forgive. That's why we don't just need a Savior. We need a Lord and Master to lead us day by day. That's why I don't just need His forgiveness. I need His grace, which is in cover, is empowerment and covering and leadership in order to do. I don't just need His Word. I need the Spirit behind the Word because the Word tells me what I need to do, but I have no power in myself. So I need the Spirit and the Word. I need forgiveness and grace. I need his truth and his anointing. And I remain humble and acknowledge nothing in my hand I bring, O oh Lord. I come only by your invitation. I come only because of your righteousness. I come only because you make me worthy. And any attempt to claim I made the right choice and I did this and I do that and I know I get in because puts you in that group that will be found on the left hand saying, Lord, Lord, didn't I do these things? And the Lord replying, depart from me. You workers of iniquity, you who live as though I never gave you a law to follow. He gave us God's law of love. Depart from me. I never knew you. I never had a relationship. I never had intimacy with you. It never happened. Oh, brother, sister, please don't, don't be there. And for anyone saying, well, brother Pete, I think you're reading too much into this. No, no. Verse 13, then the king said to his servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away. Cast him into the outer darkness there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And he ends off saying, for many are called, but few are chosen. The word there for called means invited. Literally, it means to be invited to a feast. And we dealt with that invitation in this series already. But the word chosen takes that just a little deeper. Eclectos. It means picked out. Elect. Appointed by God to the most exalted office conceivable. Choice. Select. The very best of its kind or class. Excellent. Preeminent. Chosen by God, chosen by God, chosen by God, chosen by God. Do you understand something, my brother, my sister? It, it's, it's amazing to be invited. 
But you are more than just invited to show up. You've been chosen to be an integral part of the wedding feast. For who is the bride that the Lamb of God shall take? If not the church, the new Jerusalem, the temple being built of living stones. And each of us has been chosen, select, special, to be a living stone in that great living temple in which the Lord shall abide forever and ever. But you have the possibility. You have before you the option. It's like at the very beginning, in the times of the Torah, when God set before the people life and death, blessings and cursings. And said to them, choose life. You may be invited, but you can choose not to abide. You may be invited and you may have lifted your hand one time and prayed a quick prayer. That was not enough to make you a Christian. You see the words, this is not magic. This is not spiritism. This is not voodoo. This is not you repeat some magic chant and you're in. This is not abracadabra or open says me and the door opens. This is the giving of your heart and soul of your very life to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Of bowing your will and submitting your will to His. It's a transformation of life that begins with a new heart and a new spirit. And unless you've been born again, unless you've been renewed on that level, unless you've been so radically transformed that the greatest desire of your life is to follow the will of God, then I'm going to shock you. It doesn't even matter if you lifted your hand, prayed that prayer, and then went into the waters of baptism. If you have not surrendered the whole of your life to this Christ, if you are not willing to put on his robe of righteousness and you're still singing that great anthem of the condemned and damned, I did it my way, then you are still on the highway that leads to hell. So my invitation to you tonight is come out from among them and be ye separate. Be different. Be excellent. Be what the Lord God has called you to be. Be His. Let this life be in you that also was in Christ. If you have not been born again, you can start that process tonight. It's not about becoming a religious somebody. It's about surrendering the whole of who you are to God. It's not about whether or not you join the church or congregation. Listen, it really doesn't matter. Methodist, Episcopalian, Baptist, non-denominational, interdenominational, Church of Christ, Church of God, Church of God in Christ, whatever other denomination, letter, group, organization you want to put on it. That's not what I'm asking. 
And I'm asking, did you join a system? Did you become religious? Have you been born again? Yes, the born-again person is going to get baptized. Yes, the born-again person is going to read their Bible. Yes, the born-again person, faith without works is dead. They're going to work the works of Christ. They're going to preach the gospel. They're going to evangelize people. They're going to share God's love. But it starts with a transformation of heart and a choice to abide. You see, at the end of the day, this man without their wedding robe, made a choice. Uh, I'll come in. I'll come for the free food. I'll come to see the extravaganza. Maybe there was entertainment. I'll come for the entertainment. Hear me, please. If you're going to church because you love the song service or because your favorite pastor makes you jump or because you want to see this person or that person, if you're coming because you've been lied to by the gospel of prosperity and you're saying, I'll follow Jesus for health and I'll follow Jesus for wealth and I'll follow Jesus for a new home and I'll follow Jesus for this and I'll follow Jesus to get. If you are still chasing the things in his hands instead of looking full in his wonderful face, then like this man, you've made a choice. I'll hang out here. I like it here. It's good here. I can find a spouse here. I can find some hope here. I can find some help here. I can find some financial assistance here. I can find some relief here. Maybe I can find healing here. Maybe I can find deliverance here. But if that's what kept you here, you will not put on his robe of righteousness because you have no intention of staying. When the road gets rough and things get hard, when you pass, through the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to cut and run. And I believe this man was ready to make his exit. He was only staying for a little while. And he got caught staying too long and the king caught his eye. Or rather, he caught the king's eye. Brother, sister, tomorrow's promise to no one. This is your hour. This is your moment. This is your day. Give everything you are to Jesus. It begins with a transformation of heart and mind. And you can make that decision tonight. You can pray tonight. Oh, I'm not going to lead you. Because look, if we were at sea and we were on a great sailing ship, maybe we are on a big luxury cruise liner, and I kicked you overboard. Someone bumped into you and knocked you over the railing and you fell into the ocean. No one would have to tell you, well, now if you want us to save you, please yell, help, help. You would scream and shout and kick up a storm. You would know how to ask for help. If you need Jesus tonight, you know what to do. You know what your sin is. You know what your rebellion is. You begin to pray. You begin to repent. You begin to ask forgiveness. You begin to invite him into your heart. You begin to give him your life. You submit yourself to his will. You give him that area of your life where you've resisted him. Give him all these things. Now after you do that, yes, there are some things you need to do. By the way, if you're listening to this for the first time and you're making that decision, 
and you're praying right now. Don't wait for me. You're praying right now. You talk to God. In fact, you know what? I'm going to stop. I'm going to give you time. You go talk to God, and then I'm going to come back in a couple minutes. And I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Okay? Because there are some things you need to do after. But the first thing you need to do is get right with God. So you go ahead and you start working on that part now. And we'll rejoin you in a couple of moments. And after that, we'll open up our prayer line for questions, conversation, prayer requests, requests, etc. But right now, you meet with God and get things right. Amen? Ten thousand angels surround your throne To bring you praise I will never cease But hallelujah from here below It's still your favorite melody We
sisters as you're praying and getting things right with God I want you to know that this is only the beginning there are some other things that you need to do but hear me please hear me it begins with what you've done tonight now if you confess your sins before Christ and you've invited him in and you've accepted his lordship and bent your knee right now there'll be a transformation begin to happen in you it'll begin but there are some other steps of obedience you need to take so the first thing I want to advise you to do please hear me please please if you have a Bible open it up and begin to read if you do not have a Bible, get one. Get a Bible app, okay? Um, listen, if need be, contact us. I'm going to give out our contact information in a few moments. Contact us, all right? And I'll, if, if need be, we'll send you one. But I want you to read that Bible. There are too many people led astray by denominations and Doctrines of men and concepts and this and that because they just won't read. Because the only way we'll get our word is secondhand through someone else or through a devotional. Listen, devotionals have their time and place. I post them. They're great sometimes. But you need the word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Get into the word of God. Pray every single day. Find a fellowship of believers. Listen, I don't care if it's three or four brothers meeting together in someone's home. They truly know God, love God, follow God. Then congregate with them. But do not forsake the gathering of yourselves together. Now, along with that, the Bible says that those who believe and are baptized will be saved. And so there is another step in obedience to Christ. You do want to get baptized. You've started on the right step. You're, you're on your journey. You're moving into Christ. You've given your life to Him. You've submitted to His will. Part of that submission will bring you to baptism. That submission will make you pray every day. That submission will call you to read His Word every day. That submission will call you to congregate with believers of like precious faith. These things you must do. But there is something else critically you must do urgently. If you have for the first time accepted the Lordship of Jesus Christ over your life. You need to text or call a few people and tell them what you've done. Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I will be ashamed of you before my Father who is in heaven. Don't be ashamed. You've become a Christian. You're moving toward the Lord. 
and that is gorgeous and wonderful and beautiful and there's nothing like it. There will be resistance, but stay the course. Run your race, finish strong. And we're glad to be here as a resource to you. Now, um, we do have an open prayer line. Let me let you know about that line right now. Um, for those of you who do not know, our phone number for right now, this is right now if you're listening live. We have a live call in line if you need prayer, um, have questions about anything you've heard tonight. Call in 646-721-9917 and press option 1. Go do that right now. Get into the calling queue. Okay. Um, <clears throat> ways to get in touch with us. First of all, there's our website, kqcministries.org. You can go there. Also, you can email us, kqcministries.org at gmail.com or you can call or text us. I would actually say text first. Um, the number is 845-553-0883. Um, I do want to say something. There are a couple of people I've been back and forth with on text this week and thank you for your patience. Um, I had been battling a cold that I picked up very suddenly um, I don't know, about this Monday or Tuesday. And when it hit me, it hit hard. And so I was losing my voice. I've been praying, trusting the Lord, um, loading up on some extra vitamins and things like that. And I am feeling much better, although I can tell my voice is still not 100%. I thank you, those who have been praying. Thank you for your prayers. Um, so please, if you need to contact us, text that number, all right? Um, but if you need prayer live right now, go ahead and call in. Call in. Call in, please. Um, also, at this point, while we're waiting right now, I see no one in the calling queue. All right. Um, if our messages tonight, if the message tonight has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry, obviously the number one thing you can do, pray for us. Pray for us, pray for me, my family. Thank you. We appreciate that. Okay. Um, but if you would like to give, if you would like to financially support the work that we're doing, there are three ways to do that. And technically, I've already given to them to you. But I'm going to put them up there in the uh, chat room for you. Number one, our website, kqcministries.org. All right. You can click on the Donate Now tab, and that'll walk you through the process. <clears throat> also, if you have PayPal, Quick Money, Pop Pay, Christel, etc., you can use our email address, kqcministries at gmail.com, or you can write us, KQC Ministries, Care of Peter Torres, 97 Jefferson Street, Highland Mills, New York, 10930. So if you'd like to give at this point, please go ahead and do that. We appreciate your giving in any amount. We are 
a recognized religious tax-exempt organization in the state of New York, which means every dollar you give is tax-deductible, and every dime you give goes to his work and his glory. So if you would, please, give. Now again, for those who may have urgent needs and need prayer, you can call us, 646-721-9917 and press option 1. Those lines are open right now. Um, and yes, I, I see the request um, saying you need private prayer. That's fine. All right. Yes, I will do that. Um, to those listening but not in the chat room, I'm just, I'm getting um, a request. I, I see your request, sister. Okay. And yes, um, I will reach out to you probably sometime Monday afternoon. Okay. Um, <clears throat> hoping by then my voice is better. Although, maybe I'll even, uh, maybe I'll just give you a call. If this is, is this, this sounds kind of urgent based on some of the comments you're making. Um I'm going to try and get to you tonight or tomorrow, actually, if I can, all right? All right. Um, at this point, I don't see anyone in the calling queue. And I'll be honest, I usually take that to be a good thing. Listen, I know we all need prayer at times. But when I get no calls in the calling queue, I say, take it as a positive thing. A, no one has questions about what I said. People kind of get it. I also like to think and hope that that's because the spirit is moving. God is confirming his word. And so needs people had where they would have called in, they no longer feel the need. And if that's the case, then that is wonderful. Wonderful. Okay. Wonderful. So, at this point, I'm going to wrap up service. Let's close out with the song where we were a moment again. Hallelujah, here below. Let's go rejoicing. Let's thank the Lord for what he's done. For God has been good. Father, we thank you tonight for being here with us, for leading us, loving us, meeting us. Father, I ask you please, in accordance with your word, O oh Lord, and by the authority you've given me, Lord, to bless your people. I bless them in the name of the Lord, declaring them to be the head and not the tail, above always and never beneath. Lord God, please touch them. May they be blessed going out, coming in, in the city, in the field, wherever they go. May your word, your love, your spirit abide in the mountains. Thank you, Lord, for these who are yours. Use us for your glory. In Christ Jesus' name, amen and amen. Love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. Love you, Lord. Brothers and sisters, thank you for joining us tonight. We love you. Jesus loves you. God willing, we'll see you next week. So until we see you again here on the other side of glory, be blessed and be a blessing to others. Good night. God bless. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.